Hi, my name's Tim. And I'm Cassandra. Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the European, European Soapbox. On this episode, we are going to be talking about the European coal and steel community. Yes, and we're going to refer to it as the ECSE, or at least try to, because uh, the European coal and steel community turns into a mouthful rather quickly. Yeah, and if we say it 20, 30 times, it's going to take up our whole episode. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so the ECSE was founded in 1952 by the Treaty of Paris, something that we briefly touched on in our last episode about the, what the European Union was. Um, the first president of the ECSE was Jean Monnet. And quick fun fact about Jean Monnet, um, he's actually the namesake of our Center of European Studies at the University of Chapel Hill. Yeah, I see it like in the signatures of our advisor's emails every time she emails us. <laughs> um, so our first, I guess our founding states are Italy, France, Germany, Luxembourg, Belgium, and the Netherlands. Uh, the ECSE was essentially the first institution that created the image of the supranational institution that would later, I guess, other institutions would come in and also fill that hole. Um, yeah, and, and so it contributes to the to the modern U European Union. And I, I guess sort of from a historical aspect, we want to mention real quick about supranational institutions in the aspect of Europe. Um, Specifically after World War One, we see an attempt at a supranational institution of the League of Nations. And it, it wasn't successful for a couple of reasons. Um, mainly, there, there's a lot of politics and bureaucracy involved, um, including sort of U.S. Um, sort of half-on, half-off participation. Mm -hmm. um, and we also, it's it, this isn't the first supranational institution in Europe, it's just the one that has survived till mm -hmm. modern day. Um, I, I guess we have sort of institutions like um, the Commonwealth and sort of Rome, and you see these larger institutions that attempt to integrate politically, economically, but the European coal and steel community does it a little differently. So we're going to talk about their goals and sort of how they go about them. Um, but so where do they start, Cassandra? I guess quickly to talk about some important people that were also in the making of it. Uh, Robert Schumann, he was the French foreign minister, um, which was integral in making all of this happen. One of the founding reasons for the ECSC was to kind of ensure that Germany and France wouldn't go to war again. And, and that's what I was trying to push towards. Um, this desire for peace and the demand for peace after World War II, it, it's what glues Western Europe together and it's what makes this institution possible. Yeah, with Germany having started the last two wars and th the threat of another war was needing to be calmed for okay. any peace to happen. And so let me ask a question. Why coal and steel? Coal and steel, I guess, were the main resources for all military weapons. Uh, guns, tanks, bullets, literally everything, or I guess not literally everything, most things are have something to do with coal and steel. And by combining those two markets specifically between france and germany but also those other states that we mentioned it makes it impossible to wage war on one another without hurting their own economy or at least very difficult and mm -hmm. we also see with europe or coal and steel specifically this this isn't just the fuel of war and the war industry it's also industry in general mm -hmm. um 
and specifically sort of in the aspect of energy and transportation. Steel and coal are incredibly important to the movement of people, and we'll sort of get into that later, but not only are these countries now bound economically, they're also bound by this idea of ensuring peace in Western Europe. Yeah, absolutely. So one thing I guess I want to touch on is what the ECSC is as its institution. Instead of being a, I guess, place for people, like an actual moving force, it is a platform where these states were able to come in and talk about their uh, economic and social problems and fix them with more economic solutions, if that makes sense. Yes. So I think it sort of works as a a check system, really. Mm -hmm. So not only do they they talk to each other about what's the best way to improve their economic standing sort of through this collectivization of coal and steel, but they also talk about what barriers do we need to remove? How can we improve living standards for our people? Um, How can we increase competition, which is in economics is a huge deal, Mm -hmm. Um, specifically in sort of the theoretical approach. A perfect competition is what most markets actually strive towards. And so increasing competition in Western Europe by removing barriers to trade, uh, maybe adding subsidies or not taxes, because that's something they tried Mm -hmm. to get rid of, um, so that these industries could work, I guess, more efficiently, was was really important. Yeah, making it easier to get different resources from different areas who are best at making or producing said resources would be integral to creating that competition like you said and it adds to sort of an aspect of specialization um Mm -hmm. not every country has abundant amounts of coal um and so sort of transporting these i guess productions of coal across borders and allowing countries to actually specialize in what they're good at and removing barriers to trade so that it's more beneficial for them to work together is really important. And this is where it stems from. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess if you'd like to move on, or I guess if we would like to move on from the more economic parts of the ECSE, we can start with the politics of it, how it was run. Uh, With the ECSE was the establishment of the high authority, which was made up of the Assembly, the Council of Ministers, and the Court of Justice. All three of these organizations had their own legal and political power, um, which even further legitimized it as a supranational institution. Yeah, and this this really does set the blueprint for the modern EU. Um, these countries, or these, I guess, we're, well, I call them cabinets, but more or less these different sort of mini institutions created by the European coal and steel community would end up transforming into the modern court of justice in the European Union and sort of along those lines. And it's really important because now you have a governing body to this institution and beyond that it sort of fixes some of the logistical issues that the league of nations had Um, and it leads a lot to the success of a supranational institution in western europe which was very unlikely but also it leads to the institution we know today i mean it survived I guess that it's coming up on 75 years now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's inst- establishment, sorry, of it being a platform from for all political actors who talk about economic issues was one of the biggest, I guess, achievements in the, in, I guess, that time period. Yeah, which the, the post-war era. Yeah. And so we also talked about sort of 
specifically how this improved working conditions. And that will lead us to the issue of the welfare state. And so, Cassandra, do you want to sort of define what the welfare state even is or like why it's important in Europe? I, that is definitely your specialty, but I can give like kind of what is in the welfare state. So like health benefits, uh, going to the doctor and being able to pay for it, insurance, all of that kind of stuff. But you being the econ major, you are definitely more <laughs> versed in that. <laughs> so, so essentially what the welfare state boils down to is pooling risk um, and helping people socially. And so these are social protections such as unemployment insurance or healthcare, like you mentioned. And specifically in the post-war era, you see this desire to help each other, um, help your communities and do this through a form of governance. Um, specifically, you see countries like West Germany, France develop aspects of what we consider to be a modern welfare state today. Um, through this sort of collectivization and sort of social, this idea of a we. And I, I want to make sort of a quick point. This is not communism. Um, that's an economic system, and <laughs> it's very different. And so the welfare state sort of, it creates social benefits for people. So the ECSC overall, while it has a primarily economic, I guess, goal, it uses political means to do so and also has some social, I guess... Outcomes? Yes, and so a big one of those social outcomes that you just mentioned is the improvement of working conditions. Mm -hmm. And the ECSC, sort of in a, a, I guess, a consulting role, recommended to most of its member states to improve working conditions so that wages were, were going to go up because, I mean, you work better in better working conditions. Right. And also to sort of remove some of the risks um, as well as increase efficiency plain and simple yeah if i have a good place to do work i will i will be doing it <laughs> yes it's, it's one of those first sort of social controls that moves previously to that it was mostly unions that would dictate we need hard hats <laughs> you know and something along those lines and this this sort of creates that the default you know that the employers also look out for working conditions and specifically that the european coal and steel community the ecsc sort of sets and advises on what these working conditions should be, um, certain aids that they might need be willing to provide, but also that, for example, France and Germany should limit their economic barriers, get rid of customs, get rid of taxes, yeah. stuff along those lines. So I guess overall, the ECSC would be an institution that calls for economic cooperation monitored by a political kind of authority um, Let's talk yeah. about quickly what the ECSC didn't do. So Ooh. what it didn't do is it didn't actually, I guess, apply these policies. It created right. recommendations, um, which Cassandra sort of mentioned before, but we want to really stipulate that specifically. They, they sort of helped with things like minimum prices. They set up different agreements, worker, commercial aspects, and they also made sure everyone was playing by the rules. Yeah, so it was that platform that people were able to come up with ideas, pitch it to the ECSC, people would listen, um, and then negotiations would take place. And those lead to what you said, the better working conditions, uh, elimination of trade barriers, um, free movement of capital, people, goods, services, all of that. Yes, and so the European coal and steel community sets the European Union up to integrate further economically, but also with this 
sort of tiny aspect of a humanitarian or social mm-hmm. component that's really going to sort of like, snowball into something we more commonly can recognize as the modern European Union. Yeah, absolutely. And with that, um, yeah, it was a good review for kind of what the EC is. ECSC, wow. <laughs> Again, mouthful. Um, so yeah, we hope you join us next week. Learn a thing or two with us on the European Soapbox. The European Soapbox podcast reflects only the opinions of the authors and do not reflect the views of any affiliated and or mentioned organizations. We are students still in the learning process, so information should be taken with a grain of salt and not blindly accepted. The information is for informational purposes only and do not intend to serve as any recommendation. We do not intend to isolate anyone on this podcast and encourage diversity and differences in opinion. The European Soapbox stands independently from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. The authors are the sole owners of the rights to the European Soapbox podcast. As students, we ask for the opportunity to grow and improve in our podcasting journey and progression as individuals. If you'd like to reach out to us, send us an email at europeansoapbox at gmail.com. Podcast is hosted by Cassandra Alvarino and Tim Fry. All music is produced by Till Iringer. That's T-I-L-L-Y-D-E-A-N dot W-A-V on Instagram. A special thanks to our friends, families, and supporters.